Hashtag NSW. Well, it's a case of a treble in the bag for Mamlodi Sundowns after winning the Nedbank Cup on Saturday night. They beat Bloemfontein Celtic uh, by that odd goal, eh? But uh, there is no denying the cloud of controversy uh, under which the most recent of those three trophies have come. Uh, but as it stands, I mean, champions they are. They've got the trophy. It's been paraded. The celebrations went ahead. Uh, the PSL in their website or their Twitter handles and everything else, uh, they did say uh, they are the champions. So that is what we go by. But it's also our duty to try and inform and understand uh, perhaps whether or not there was a bit of the glass that was taken away from the victory uh, with that whole Debochor Langaman saga. Uh, but we await word, though, from the boardrooms, uh, which is exactly where that whole case sits right now. Uh, they are the champions, of course, but uh, are they at risk of uh, being stripped of that title? I, I don't know if there are those powers that are vested in any of the laws, uh, and we're all going to be finding out pretty soon. And before we speak to our guest, uh, you got to hear what uh, Coach Pitsum Siman, as well as John Maduka, had to say about this very, very same issue. You must win football on the pitch. Né? That's my opinion about football. Win on the pitch. If you have to win outside the pitch now because there's something like this or that, okay, if you win, you know how you want. I don't do admin at the club. I, I focus on coaching the team. And uh, if I have reports on certain issues, uh, of course, I can be coach who doesn't focus, who doesn't uh, observe uh, all those things. But uh, I don't know about that. Uh, I'm not aware at this point in time. But you must win on the pitch. Imagine you're going to raise the trophy. Oh, by the way, there was this thing. And uh, what's the trophy? And then you celebrate. I mean, really. We're not sure what was happening. The fourth official said, you know, uh, 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 <laughs> you had to do one one play at a time. So we had to wait and, uh, until, you know, spend about maybe four or five minutes waiting. But it's one of the things. All right, so we got the former PSL general manager and also former FIFA referee on the line, Ace, Mr. Sponton. But thank you so much for your time, Baba. Good evening. Good evening, Rob, and good evening to your listeners. What a what a bizarre scenario. Ever encountered something like this in your refereeing career? In a final? Well, <laughs> no, no, uh, thankfully not. Uh, uh, but but then again, it is not within the parameters of what the referee controls. You know, the only thing that the referee looks for is that each player who is named on the team sheet carries a valid registration card. Whether or not that player is supposed to be serving a suspension for that match falls outside the ambit of what the referee controls. Mm. Absolutely, because it's important to establish that uh, ace uh, right up front because you know, some people are saying, but why didn't the match commissioner see it and so on? And, and yet we know that that's not the duty of the match commissioner. Um, the clubs have got to be more observant and more vigilant. These things are sent out uh, to media. I think three days before the final, we all got the emails, you know, stating that uh, Deboko Langaman was the only player that was suspended for the final. Uh, so everybody would have got that. The clubs would have gotten that. So it, it can't be the match commissioner's duty. Um, would you want to reiterate that so that it is clear and we understand what the duties are of the officials? Look, I think even if the officials and the match commissioner knew about the suspension, 
it would have been overreach on their part. They they would have gone beyond the ambit of what they are there for. Had they said, no, we are not going to allow this player to play. It, it's not part of what they control, uh, even if they had known. Um, but Rob, I, I think... Let's exclude the referees. Let's exclude the match commissioner. Let's exclude Bloemfontein Celtic. Let's talk about Mamelodi's underarms. And in particular, the person whose duty it is at the club Mm. to handle these administrative issues. Even before we receive that uh, communication from the league three days prior to every round of matches, and in this instance, three days prior to the uh, final match of the season, why is that person not recording or having a system to record the cautions and dismissals of players. Why even wait for the league to tell you that you have a player that's supposed to serve a suspension? You, you as a club, as a professional outfit, you're supposed to have a system by means of which you are able to capture all these incidents, just like you won't wait for the league to tell you how many goals uh, for you have and, and how many goals against you have a system of your own you are able to even create your own uh, log table. Why did that person allow Langman to be on the team sheet to start with? Regardless of whether or not there was somebody else whose duty it was to inform the clubs, the media, and the general public that this this is the player uh, that should have been suspended. And that person can't even hide behind a lame excuse if there were ever to be one to say, no, there were too many names, I might have skipped it. Mm. The communication that we all received had only one name on it of a player that was not eligible to play in the cup final and, and was that was Langemann. Why is it that his name was on the team sheet to start with? Somebody dropped the ball and that's the person we should really be speaking about. But given the history, and, and, and it is an admin issue, it should be an internal issue, whether or not it, it, it favors sundowns in the end when the outcome comes through or not, it, it, it should not, you know, the club would not want to be mired by this. Uh, we want to see a celebration that is a proper celebration. We want to see players and coaches celebrate in a manner that depicts you know what, guys, we've won a treble. This is something big. It's something unique. Let's celebrate and go out. And you could tell that this had kind of clouded that, though, Ace. I mean, we were no, we're no body language experts, but you could see that somehow, yes, you've won. Yes, you'll celebrate. Uh, but there was just a little sting that was taken. Of course, uh, it was pretty evident for all of us to see. Um, and, and that would purely boil down to what I hope we are going to discuss next in yeah. terms of whether or not they are entitled to keep that trophy, given what had happened. So I think the watered-down celebration would have accrued from uh, the, that sense of trepidation that maybe we're taking these medals, maybe we're lifting this trophy, and at a later stage we might have to return them because that's what uh, many people think would be the logical outcome mm. if, if there's something like that. Uh, but I hope that's what we are going to discuss, whether Absolutely. or not as part Absolutely. of a punitive uh, sanction, the, the mm. stripping of the win is part of the mix in, in that mm. regard.
Absolutely, Ace. The, the part that I want to start with is around what, and, and that is why it was quite crucial for us to chat to a Kumbulani Kongo uh, beforehand so that we get to where uh, Bloemfontein Celtic are and what they've decided to do and when they decided to do what they did. And what we've got from him is that they became aware of all of this not 30 minutes before the game so they could lodge the proper protest as per the prescripts of the laws but they were they realized that in the 80th minute that was his words 80th minute they realized that sundowns were about to bring on a player and they realized that that player uh, shouldn't be there now take us through from that moment who is in the right who's in the wrong and what are the uh, consequences well, from, from the moment they realized, uh, which was uh, the AD, ADF minute, they, they were uh, well beyond the time limits that the rules and regulations provide for a protest uh, to be lodged. Uh, the fact that he subsequently did not play doesn't rule out the the correct interpretation of him having been a participant. Uh, regardless of whether he takes to the field or not, he was there, he was part of the the match. He played in the match. And, and I'm, I'm saying that uh, purely with reference to the rules. And that's why the referee is empowered to show him a yellow card while sitting on the bench. That's why the referee can even show him a red card and dismiss him. It's because he is playing in the match. But seated on the bench as a substitute. That's why we refer to all of those people as participants. So wh- whatever uh, would have been taken as a step by Bloemfontein Celtic uh, was superfluous, so, so to speak, because the league itself, whether or not Celtic uh, were to submit anything in writing, in the form of a complaint this time because it, it wouldn't be a, a protest because they, they had uh, lost the opportunity to lodge a proper protest. Even if Bloom Celtic had not submitted anything, at the time that the league captures the match report that is submitted by the referee and the system recognizes that there is a player called Debo Langman who is on the team sheet but was supposed to serve a suspension immediately that goes to uh, the PSL prosecutor because it falls now under the category of misconduct uh, because that's a contravention of the NSL rules and regulations. So it, it, it didn't really require anything to be done by Celtic in order for it to qualify as misconduct. So now that they await, and this is very crucial information, Ace, and and let's try and go through it step by step. They've surpassed the protest. They failed in that regard. Even if they didn't protest, the league would have picked up and it would be the league's duty uh, to sanction some form of punitive action against Mamelodi Sundowns for doing what they did. Am I correct in those assertions? Yes, you are. And... Now, where the tricky part comes in is the, is the amendments to the NSL handbook. And if those amendments do give any provision 
whatsoever uh, for there to be a sanction which is forfeited of the match and a minimum fine of a hundred thousand rand uh, the player can also be sanctioned but that is the sanction of the amended um, you know regulations if you want to call it that uh, that have come through within the NSL do those apply or do they not apply well uh, Rob I have with me a, a copy of the handbook Right. Uh, which is still the one that the, the NFL uses and the one that is freely available on their website. And the amendments in that latest version do not appear. They, they have been processed. I am not sure at what stage they are uh, in terms of actual promulgation by the Board of Governors into uh, the approved. Mm. NFL handbook. Tell me, Ace, the the ones that you have, the ones that you have, sorry to mess up with your trail of thought, the ones that you have would have been signed when, so that it does help uh, the process of whether the ones you have and the ones that I manage to get sight of are the same thing and whether they talk to the same thing. The ones that I have do not have automatic forfeiture. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's a very uh, crucial point we, we need to look at because you see where the, the NFL handbook falls short is being inconsistent with what FIFA statutes say. And, and you know that where the NFL, uh, SAFA, CAF statutes are silent or are inconsistent with what FIFA says, then whatever FIFA says overrides everything else. And that's why we want to look at this in two stages. The the first stage is that whichever version we have, whether it's the version where the amendments are not promulgated as yet, or you have a version which is a working draft where the automatic forfeiture, we need to first analyze Article 22 of the FIFA Disciplinary Code. All right, you're listening to MSW on a Monday. It's Reaction Monday, and we're just uh, trying to educate ourselves, and that is why we always bring in the the brains trusted to do exactly that. Article 22 uh, is what Ace Noble was talking about. Thanks for your patience, and our apologies for uh, messing with your trail of thought there, Ace. But, yeah, do pick up on what the two points you are making. Yeah, uh, Article 22 is the article in the FIFA disciplinary code that deals with forfeiture. And it's very clear there that uh, when a member club or even a, a national club for that matter, national team playing in an international tournament fields a player that is ineligible to play mm. for whatever reason, there's automatic forfeiture. So Section 1 and Section 2 of Article 22 in the FIFA uh, Disciplinary Code deals with uh, that automatic forfeiture, that it it is prescribed there, that there's automatic forfeiture in Section 1, and then in Section 2 it uh, details that uh, three points lost, three goals uh, against the club. Mm -hmm. Now, when we get to Section 3, 
That's where it deals with knockout competitions, which adopts a totally different approach. Mm-hmm. For knockout competitions, it does not prescribe automatic forfeiture. It grants discretion to the disciplinary committee of the organizing entity, in our case, the NFL, mm-hmm. as the organizing entity of the Netbank Cup. It grants them the discretion to view each, ma- each matter according to its merits and uh, sanction whatever punitive measure it deems fit. There is a very critical issue that is written into Section 3 of Article 22, which relates to the integrity of the competition. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think, uh, and, and that's where I have made a pronouncement, you know, personally, that I don't think that DC would uh, take the automatic forfeiture route because the article doesn't prescribe it, firstly. And secondly, there is the element of looking at the integrity of the competition. And that, that integrity is then where the whole discretionary powers of the DC would lie. Uh, how would this affect the the image of the league, the image of the sponsors, the image of the competition, and all of that. So whoever thinks that they can then invoke uh, the provisions of Article 22 to recall that trophy uh, would be misreading Article 22 of the FIFA Code. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because where the... And you're very clear with that, Ace. I think where I stand with this, and it's a case of whether or not that had been approved, Um, because, you know, we deal and dig very deep to try and get information so that we try and bring it to the fore here, is whether or not the amended section, which the, let me say that, at you know, when they have the Board of Governors meetings, as you would know, you've been there as a GM, um, in the August 2019, where they would have taken certain amendments uh, to the NSL handbook, and those get approved. And those amendments do include Article 22. And they do include the issue under forfeiture under Article 5.1 of if a player is being fielded in the match despite being ineligible, etc., etc., and the ineligibility issue then comes through as 57.1, where they talk about if a player takes part in a match, he is on the team sheet, on the field of play, or on the substitutes bench at any time, despite being ineligible. The member club which fielded him will be sanctioned with the forfeit of the match and a minimum fine of 100,000 rand, with the player also being sanctioned. Would this not be seen as part of the amendment? That is why we're trying to get that clarity so that we know which rules do apply and which rules the committee will be looking at. Let's take it from the extreme position, Rob, first and say the the NFL uh, Board of Governors failed to promulgate the amendment, right? Let's Mm -hmm. take it from, from that point of view first. Whether or not they have promulgated, their FIFA disciplinary code takes precedence. Once FIFA promulgates uh, 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 an element of 
law in, in terms of football. It, it is applicable globally. The, the time lapse between the uh, member associations and their leagues uh, to effect those changes. If it's an immediate, an immediate implementation of that uh, amendment, then everybody follows suit. So I want, I want us to agree on this, Rob, that mm. even if the PSL had failed to promulgate the amendment, that amendment applies to the PSL. But my point is, the automatic forfeiture clause in Article 22 applies only to league matches. Section 3 deals with cup competitions, and there's a different regime that applies to cup competitions. Okay. No, perfect, Ace. The reading on Twitter right now, and you can imagine that this now draws a lot of other questions. Uh, so, Son of Klinka says that with the April 3, 2019 ruling on Arinsa and Sundowns have any impact on this case, uh, what people call uh, repeat offenders or, yeah. Of course, when the DC looks at uh, a case, the the member club will try and tender mitigating factors uh, to try and lessen the sanction. Uh, but the fact that the club is a repeat offender, just in the same way as uh, the, the cost of the land do take into account previous convictions, mm-hmm. they, they will look at that. Where a club previously escaped perhaps with a, a suspended sentence, a reduced uh, punitive fee, uh, that in itself could come back to haunt the club if there was a portion of the fine that was suspended. The first thing that comes to the fore is that that suspended portion of the fine must be paid because uh, if, if, for instance, the outcome was uh, found in 2019 and the suspension uh, of that portion was for three years, it means within that three-year period, the club has committed the same or a similar offense. Then where it starts is at that point, that the suspended portion of the fine or any suspended portion of the sanction, if it applies to a player in terms of a number of matches uh, suspended for, will, will then be the first sanction that's given out. To say, if we had fined you a million rands, we suspended 500,000 rands and you paid 500,000 rands. As a repeat offender, the first thing we do is to bring back that 500,000 rands that had been suspended because you've committed the same offense within that stipulated period. So that's the first thing that the DC will do. And then the DC, because this is a, a repeat offender, will now look at the maximum allowable fine that they can give to the club. Absolutely. More questions that will come through, Ace. Sinatamba Deland on Twitter says, Gandhi, how did the CAF matter allow the team that had been knocked out to be returned and eventually go on to win the Champions League, for example? Uh, so he's just throwing that to you, Mr. Spoton. Well, I, I think, again, it's the, the issue of uh, us conflating matters simply because ineligibility is ineligibility. But, but the, the fact of the matter is that Ineligibility due to suspension, 
mm. is totally different to uh, ineligibility due to improper registration. Those two are tackled totally differently. And, and a, a recent case in our domestic league would be the Tendai-Ndoro case, which, which was uh, based on an improper registration rather than on him having been suspended due to accumulation of yellow or red cards. At, at its worst, Ace, given all of your knowledge and your participation at management level, admin, and uh, where you've been as a, as a referee and somebody who's up to date with everything that's happening within FIFA and the laws of the game, etc., what's the worst that can happen here? Well, I, I think, Rob, uh, the, the DC will want to institute the maximum fine. I want to hazard a a prediction here that the DC uh, would not institute the ultimate punitive measure, which would be to strip uh, sundowns of the title. And and we must say that in terms of Article 22 of of the FIFA disciplinary code, the discretion lies solely with uh, the uh, DC at, at the NSL. They, they are the ones. There is nothing in that code which expressly prohibits the DC from stripping the club of the title. But the the FIFA code, um, uh, uh, for lack of a better phrase, throws in an element of caution. It's it's very cautionary in its approach to say, have a view of the integrity of the competition in deciding what sort of sanction uh, to impose, uh, factor in the integrity of the competition. So to what extent the DC factors that in, and the integrity would uh, weigh more heavily towards the, the, the sponsors and the fact that whatever action is taken will set a precedent uh, that if, if the DC, for instance, were to take the extreme uh, sanction of stripping sundowns of the title. It means anybody in the future who commits the same error, let's let's call it that, mm-hmm. the same administrative error, it would now have the net effect of creating what we, we call in jurisprudence case law, which must be followed. So anybody who commits that same error, it will then fall under the automatic forfeiture clause. And and if we go that route, then then it means we are inconsistent with what Article 22 tries to achieve. Hmm. Yeah, I mean it's a it's it's an interesting one on many different fronts, and that is why we'd have to wait. There are a lot of case studies, and I know that these laws and uh, get amended, etc. Uh, whether you can even go back to what happened in in 2015. Uh, where a Real Madrid team had been disqualified, you know, from the Copa del Rey. Uh, I think it was uh, Denis uh, Shervashev uh, who, uh, who was fielded as an ineligible player uh, during the round of 32 clash uh, in, in that December year. And, you know... And, and you they, see, they, Rob, in that case, when we look yeah. at, at, the, at the round, the round of 32... Mm. Uh, whatever you do with a club there, you are still left with 31 others. Uh, but what happens in a cup final impacts 
quite directly on the integrity of the commission and and uh, on the competition and and I think that's why the authors of the FIFA code uh, included that element but there's something else here Rob that I, mm. I think maybe we need to look at as well there, there is a, a Viomera case yeah uh, in in involving uh, involving Morocco Solos I I, I think. Uh, from what I've, I've been able to gather, it, it was a similar case of having an ineligible player being included in a match. And I, I dare say that the decision that was taken, which was to sanction the player and find the club, was not consistent with the provisions of Article 22 of FIFA, which provides for automatic forfeiture in league matches. So I, I think the DC must also look at its own handling of that matter with relation to how uh, it, it has complied with mm. Article 22, whether or not their own NSL handbook has been amended successfully to take into account Article 22 is a, a totally different matter. They have to comply with Article 22. It's 22 seconds to the top of the hour. Everything is happening in 22s here, sir. I, I thank you so much, Ace, and I hope that it doesn't take 22 months uh, for the DC to sit, as you've seen traditionally happen with other cases. Uh, I think people are at that stage where they want to see the law being dealt with and things being sorted out ASAP. Because we've got the champions on standby. We have to chat to them, Ace Mo, but we don't want any... Funny business here. Trouble's done. But hey, we have to deal with these very intricate things that we didn't bring ourselves into. So, But I thank you for your valuable time, Ace. And I, I really do hope that this has helped. Um, and I wish the DC the best of luck. Thank you so much, Bob. Thank you so much. That's uh, Andy Lace Nobo, the um, former FIFA referee. And uh, Mr. Spot on in every way, uh, he reads these laws and rules of the game like nobody else.